Live from Ceridian Insights, we're talking with top industry executives and changemakers. Be inspired, connect, and learn. Here are your hosts, William Tincup and Mark Pfeffer. All righty, here we go. We're at Ceridian Insights, Las Vegas. It's beautiful outside. You wouldn't know that because we're on the radio. However, it is beautiful outside. Uh, we have a wonderful guest in front of us. Lisa, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself yeah, and your company? Absolutely, William. Lisa Highfield from Infotech Research Group. I'm a research director in our enterprise applications practice. Um, I cover ERP, HR, and CRM technologies, and I'm our lead analyst around HR software. Um, it's a great role to be in. I get to do both research as well as talk to our members and help advise them on their entire enterprise application lifecycle. So, uh, similar to different than an analyst firm. What's, because um, yeah. analyst firms, they all kind of have different models, right? Absolutely. Right? So. Absolutely. So, let me explain to you a little bit about what we do. Good. Uh, so, Infotech Research Group is a strategic research and consulting organization helping organizations. Um, our first line of contact with our members are through their IT department and IT leaders, CIOs. IT departments that have any sort of project that they're working on for us to help them through that. I'm one small piece of Infotech right. in enterprise applications. We also have lots of layers of additional analysts in data, security, um, IT leadership as a few examples. We also have a couple of other divisions, software reviews and McLean and Company. So software reviews is our vendor facing a division which oh, deals directly with the vendors and that's how I'm involved in the HR tech space covering the HR vendors. So what's going on in the software cuz I love that space the software review space. What's yeah. what's going on in that space? What are yeah. you what are you learning from the reviews? Absolutely. So um, it's very interesting. I love our review model because it is completely client driven. We're looking at both product features and satisfaction, as well as vendor relationships, which is really our differentiating feature. Uh, we're really finding, yes, the software is important, but it's also important, important to know that it's the right fit for your organization and that you have a good relationship with both the software vendor and often SIs as well as you're moving through your application That's right. journey. Yeah. You know, I'd like to ask the, the same question. Sure. But only about HR software. Okay. So. Perfect. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let me break that down a little bit in terms of HR software. I think um, from, yeah. yeah uh, so first of all, I'll go on record. I hate software categories. Yes, thank I you. I despise <laughs> software categories. Thank you. However, I know that HR budgets are built in Excel, so there's a column and a row. Yep. So there's got to be some categorization, yeah. I guess, but so many of these solutions blend over, it's like, ATS used to be a simple category of software, right? Who in the market actually is an ATS? Right, right. They're all something yep. kind of different. Yes. Anyhow. No, and I think it's a really good conversation. And I think from my perspective and my role, I have a really unique opportunity because um, from my perspective, it's about organizational goals and strategy and how the technology can support you to achieve those. <laughs> And I think in the tech space, we oftentimes, we need to categorize to create reports and do analysis and create our nice little quadrants that look pretty, but it's not always black and white and cut and dry. And, um, you know, like any other category, HR 
sees the same challenges that a lot of other categories see as well with um, each organization, you know, uh, going through new product developments, reaching into different uh, spaces. Um, you know, we, we all know the HCM market, kind of that all-in-one encompassing, um, you know, HR, employee records, oftentimes payroll coupled with that, as well as a lot of the other core HR functions that make an HCM or an HRS system one of those. And I really hate some of the acronyms sometimes. And it's it's funny in talking to our members and having those conversations and um, trying to delineate HCM, HRIS, HRMS. Core. Yeah. Yes, all of these. Um, and, I, you know, there isn't a one one size fits all model for the industry. Um, what we've done is we've tried to develop an HR systems Tech, framework, yeah, which we talk to. Taxonomy, yes. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always map pr- perfectly to some of the categories, but that's where as industry analysts, we need to be able to talk to and understand the vendors and their roadmaps and where they've been, where they're going, kind of the convergence and divergence as they move through the market. So. Uh, I see it as kind of a a relationship with both vendors, practitioners, and SIs on some level, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Take take us into those relationships. I mean, not specifically, but like, what do you do when you work with a vendor? How do you work with them? For sure. So maybe what I'll do, if I could, I'll start on the practitioner side. Um, We connect directly with IT and HR leaders. Um, and finance oftentimes around HR technology. And I really think it's important that we involve all of those players at the table, um, especially if we're talking about big enterprise systems, because you can't do it in a vortex. Oftentimes I find I'll be approached by IT, or it could be HR, or it could be any number of situations that come to me. And my first question is, is is everybody talking together and, and involved in this? And if not, let's see if we can can do that first from a strategy perspective. Um, in terms of uh, you know our approach then to help our members, we deal with the full applications lifecycle. Always trying to start with strategy. Again, what are we trying to achieve? Where is our organization trying to go, and how can the HR technology help support that? A lot of times, members will come to us wanting to talk about selection as a first step, and. Um, it's really my role to say, let's back up a little bit and, and understand this a little bit better and make sure we have the right players at the table. So, pressure tests. What's your feeling on RFPs? Yeah. Okay. For sure. <laughs> let's go there. Yeah, let's go there. I love it. Okay. Um, so, we have a lot of organizations that have um, vendor management teams and um, formal procurement strategies where the RFP process is something that they have to go through. Um, One of the trends that we're seeing is a lot of organizations go to either a lighter RFP or RFI process or even going out to the vendors prior to, uh, you know, requests for proposals or requests for quotes to survey the marketplace. Um, A lot of times they can be onerous. I think if if they're run correctly, they can be, it can be a good process. But a lot of times, um, you know, they can often be... uh, you know, handcuffing to some extent too, and and long and onerous. And at the end of the day, my goal is to get the best fit technology out there for my member organizations. So no matter what type of process they maybe have to go through, right. we'll help walk them through that. 
Um, but if we can simplify that for them, we try to. We do have lots of templates that we offer them, whether it be an RFI or an RFP. And one of the things I would say to that too is we're also getting into that space around the SI or the systems implementer space. Right. It's one of the areas I think a lot of organizations wait too long to think about. They're very focused on the software selection and not necessarily the systems integrator or vendor partner that they're going to be working with. Um, I could go on all day about oh, that, yeah. but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, when you look at the business and you look at all the companies and obviously like any business, there's some leaders, the real, the, the real strong ones. Do you see any commonalities, anything characteristics they share? Yeah. Um, in the HR tech space? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I think, um, you know, it's going to be no surprise or shock to this audience that HR technology has a really unique opportunity right now. And I think most of the HR tech vendors are very aware of that. Um, the uh, waiting to the employee experience um, is, is very high. I'm seeing a lot more around user experience, user interface, ease of use, um, enabling managers, um, and also, uh, you know, uh, around the data as well. Um, you know, either very well integrated data or, you know, core systems of truth. There's much more recognition being given to that in terms of uh, we need to be very aware of the data that we have in our systems, make sure the systems are talking to each other, and that we can use the data ultimately to drive data-driven decisions that are going to help the business. And I see a lot of the vendors really focusing on that space, which is great to see. So I'm going to have hand you a magic wand. It's going to look like a big pen. It's not. It's a magic <laughs> wand. If you can get rid of anything in HR tech whether or not it's a term or some, uh, something that we are doing, except a process. If you, you can eliminate anything, what would you eliminate? Mm, eliminate anything. Because I'll, I'll use the one first. Yeah. Uh, I would get rid of people using the term AI. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was, I was going to say engagement. That's that's. Oh right. yes. Okay. Let's get rid of that. That's good. Okay. All right. Okay. What do you got? What have I got? Oh, that's a really good one. You want to do talent intelligence? Can you get rid of that? Are you are you are you, is that okay now? Well, <laughs> talent intelligence. Um, I wouldn't get rid of it. Okay. I don't think I would. Okay. I would challenge you on that. I think. Um, from my perspective, we've been really poor at using the data that we have. 100%. And all of these terms kind of circulate around that, right? Um, but I hate buzzwords because at the end of the day, I want to know what's the end result? What's it going to get me? And again, I go back to you know data-driven decisions and supporting organizational strategy. And you know we can use all the buzzwords you want. It's KPIs, yeah. you know, OKRs. important. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> But it doesn't matter, and I find a lot of organizations going into those conversations blind without really knowing what they're trying to achieve. Right. Um, I think as well in the HR tech space, um, we get caught up in buzzwords and um, roadmaps, but to me it's really about, again, knowing what an organization needs to achieve and finding out how the different technologies in the market can help them achieve that. Um, and you call your practitioners, sorry, Mark, you call your practitioners members, or is, is that for also the SIs and vendors as well? 
Um, mostly our practitioners. And I use practitioners very loosely as a term. It could right. be any, it doesn't necessarily mean HR. It could be IT. Right, of course. It could be finance. It could be any business but member. But they were yeah. client side. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Yeah. Um, all right, this is my cynical question. Yep. Um, when you were talking about the solutions providers identifying problems the customers have and looking for ways to solve them, how common do you think it is that the solution is actually a buzzword? That they're, they're selling the marketing message more than they're actually selling a unique product? Oh, yeah, I think it happens. Absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, we see that all the time. Um, it's funny, actually, I just did a talk at our conference, which was held here in Las Vegas uh, a couple of months ago, and I started my uh, talk with, uh, most of our audience was IT leaders, so I started my audience with, what is every IT leader's nightmare uh, when they talk to HR? And the, the punchline was that they just went to the HR tech conference and saw all the new exciting things out there on the market. And that was really, you know, tongue-in-cheek to the point that we get caught up in the buzz a lot of times. And and I'll be honest, from a technical IT perspective, these are big projects a lot of times. And um, we want to be excited about the technology, but we need to really understand the underlying feature sets and functionality of the software, too. Yeah, I, I've, my advice to uh, practitioners has been for years is to look at live software. Yes. So instead of PowerPoint or some type of demo environment, et cetera, that's been built and it looks perfect, crack into this, crack into a, a client instance that you have permission, of course, and show me live software. I want to see actual live software. I want to see data flowing and reporting. I want to see all of it right here. So don't tell me, because so much of what's being sold is aspirational. It's the roadmap. It's you, this isn't built yet, and it's coming, which is great. That's cool. Yeah. I, w- I want to know that it's if as a buyer, I want to know that it's there right now. Yeah, I love that. I love that, and very much along that lines. One of the things I tell our members, even around analytics and reporting, kind of going back to to that topic area, is develop or take the reports that are important to you to the vendor and ask them to recreate it because they're all going to say they have reporting and analytics but is that the reporting and analytics that you need um, and I love the idea of the demo environment or the test environment where you can get in there and play underneath this software I think um, every organization's unique their culture's unique their employees are unique and you know the people that are looking at the software and evaluating it know that more than than anyone. The vendor's going to say it's a fit and it works right. great, but until you're actually under the hood and and playing with it, you won't really know. I said this uh, to an audience just last week, actually. I said, listen, if you get on a demo and you get off that demo and you're not excited, that salesperson needs to be fired. Yeah. Their job is to create excitement. That's the whole bit. They're they're supposed to show you stuff to make you excited, right? That's That's the whole idea. Because in our space, HR software is sold, not purchased. I think that's one of the things you're trying to reconcile is that when by bringing these different parties together, procurement, finance, IT, all these things, it's like that's actually now now it's purchased instead of being marketed and sold to. Yeah, absolutely. So go ahead, Mark. Um, do you think HR departments, the practitioners, 
are they growing along with the technology? Mm. I mean, Great question. they've got data. You know, there's advanced technology. I won't say AI. Um, they're really not trained for this, these things. So how are they doing? Yeah. So I'm going to answer that in two ways. The first one that I'll say is HR's worked very hard. I find every team I work with, they've worked really hard to develop the processes that they have today to make it work for the organization, to make sure employees are getting paid on time with few errors. You know, there's exceptions to the rule. But most HR practitioners, no matter their subject area of expertise, care about what they do and have worked really hard to develop the processes that they've developed. I think when they're going into the new technology space, a lot of times it's um, uh, difficult to accept and allow the system to do the heavy lifting for them uh, to some extent. And there's a lot of ownership over over what they do. And it's not just change management. It's also wanting to know that the technology is going to be able to do the job for them the right way and, and that they can feel confident at the end of the day. Um, so that's a challenge in terms of being able to, to let go and allow some efficiencies through the technology we're using. The second way I would say that is for organizations that are looking to new technologies, I, ha- I find it's a very different audience between the HR um, departments versus other maybe IT departments. Um, again, HR I find very embedded in how we do things today not really being able to necessarily say, let's just throw out everything we're doing. Let's imagine the art of the possible. What's our dream system? We'll get that magic wand out again um, and and have a look at really, if we were going to design a system, what would it look like? And I find um, a lot of times I challenge HR departments in that area to, to really say, you know, we know what we're doing today, but let's throw that away and let's imagine the art of the possible. And a lot of them have a hard time doing that. Um, I think we see it a little bit more on the IT side because they're dealing with technology every day and doing more software evaluations. But HR maybe isn't exposed to that on as much of a regular basis. Um, And then I'll finish that thought with, you know, kind of coming back, circling around to your question about our HR teams growing with the technology I would say yes, they are. Maybe not every organization. Um, I think there's still functional aspects that, um, you know, we have to pay people. We have to keep the gears turning. We know there's competing priorities um, across the organization in terms of making sure we have people in the seats we need to have them in and we have everything clicking and turning. So um, I think what I've seen in the technology space over the last, um, you know, one to four years has been exponential growth. I think HR teams want to be there and grow with the technology. I think, um, and I think they have the opportunity to do that. It's just whether they're staffed to do that, whether they have the resources to do that, and whether they have that as a priority on their docket. So the question for me is kind of, kind of twofold. The research topics that you're looking at probably next year, things that are kind of already kind of you're already kind of curious about because as a researcher, you know, you start with curiosity, like, okay, I'm going to start with a thesis. Let's see if this works out. And you always find something in research that you didn't expect, which I, which I love. Um, Cause you know, it's just like, you think, you know, and all of a sudden you go out and a thousand people answer a survey and you're like, Oh no, it's not that way. Um, but I want, so I want to ask about 23 and what you're curious about, but also in the context of insights, have you heard of anything or seen anything that's kind of 
percolating into an idea is something that you might want to explore research-wise? Yeah, for sure. So um, we've done some great research over the last couple of years, um, which has kind of led us to where we are now. Um, we've looked at the entire application lifecycle from strategy, selection, implementation, optimization, and operations, and now we're looking to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, so, so a couple of the areas I'll be working on in the next two years, I'm going to be doing an HCM buyer's guide. Um, that's one thing that, you know, we have our software reviews, which talks to the software space, but it doesn't really tell the buyer how to navigate, um, you know, the different feature sets, different vendors, how to run that process necessarily. And uh, we're also going to be doing some research also around legacy applications and, um, you know, not necessarily modernization. That's oftentimes where the conversation right. goes, but I don't think it is an off, it's always modernization. It's more of a, an assessment and evaluation and a decision matrices to understand what do we have to do with these applications that are supporting the business. I want to follow up on something that William asked earlier, and we were talking about um, some of the things that that may not get done by the technology. Um, and I wanted to ask a more specific version of the question, which is, what are the vendors failing to provide? Hmm, that's a good one. Um. Like, are, in my mind, are things just being oversold? Like, are we setting the expectation, vendors, uh, in this case, are we setting the expectation too high, or is the buyer not asking more probative questions or deeper questions, et cetera? Like, where's the miss? Yeah, where's the miss? Um, so I have about a million different ways I could answer that. I think... Um, we want all of them. All yeah. of them, we okay. Want every one of them. We got um, time. <laughs> I, think, I think the biggest miss in my head is thinking that one piece of software can do everything. Yeah. Yeah. The, the silver bullet? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and there's certain solutions that are out there they, that sell that. That's kind of a bit. That's, yes. That's kind of, they, they sell based on the premise. No names or any of that type of stuff. But the idea is that they sell that concept, that myth. That there's, there's no vendor. I've been studying this space for 20-something years. There's no vendor that solves everything. Right. Absolutely, and I think a lot of the, some of them can solve a lot of them. Hundred percent. But there's always going to be pieces that are missing. There's going to be integrations, um, and just going into those conversations wide open to really understand what are the capabilities. And this is a conversation we have a lot with our members too: is how does this fit into our overall application portfolio? Um, not just HR tech, but the other tech as well, yep. ERP. Um, document management, a lot of those other pieces that go with the with the puzzle. Have you have you seen? I've I've been asked this question a lot in terms of the reaction of practitioners wanting less software or less logins, less things to deal with. Like they're sitting on top, especially global companies. It's really the larger companies. They're sitting on thirty three different payroll companies. And you know all of the different if HR stack, just not even dealing with the rest of the enterprise technology stack. Just HR, they've got all of these things, and it's like even though someone's selling something really cool, really innovative, really new, and great, it's like one more system, one more thing, both for themselves, but also there's an exhaustion for themselves 
but also for their employees yeah. and users. So, I mean, do you see, or do you, I mean, that's me and my experience, but do you yeah, see the Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I do see a lot of organizations actually taking a step back to say, assessing their current state and doing an inventory of applications to say, we need to really understand what the applications are that we have right now. What are they doing? What are the capabilities? You know, how happy are we with them? What are the missing pieces? And then deciding what are our next steps? What do we need to do? Maybe, maybe we maintain them. Maybe we augment them. Maybe we consolidate or maybe we replace. I love that. I, I have another question, but Mark, do you have anything? No, go ahead. So when you build the buyer's guide, Take Mark and I into that process. Like, where are you going to start? Are you yeah. going to start with a, a blank screen? And, <laughs> and just well, yes, like every writing? great research project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but how, take us into that process because I'm, I'm fascinated. I think both of us would love to see it once, yeah. you're, once you're done or yeah. a place where you can Absolutely, share. absolutely. So I think um, definitely what I want to do is bring in some of that applications life cycle that I've already mentioned to you pieces of, you know, again, informing about the full application life cycle, not just staying nearly focused on selection and buying as a buyer's guide, but really understanding that it has to start with strategy, that we need to think about the vendors that are going to be supporting us through that journey, that we need to think about the long-term support and optimization of that product and how it fits into our organizational culture. And also starting to think about business enablement in terms of you know, do we want HR to take over some of the more administrative responsibilities, maybe creating reports or workflows or fields in the system before we then go into the the buyer's guide? And then um, obviously starting with some of those strategic pieces, do we have the right players at the table? Do we have executive sponsorship? Are we ready to go into um, buying a buying decision right now? What does our team look like? Uh, do we have the right subject matter experts on board? And then the vendor marketplace, right? I think that's really where I want to dive a little bit deeper. That's one thing that's missing um, in our research a little bit in terms of the vendor space, how to evaluate vendors, how to really run that um, selection process and ask the right questions. I love it. I could talk to you all day, but yeah. you've got other things to do, I know. <laughs> Lisa, you've been wonderful. Thank yeah, you so much for you. carving out time for yeah. us. It was great to meet you. Yeah, talk. it was great to meet you as well. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Th thank you. And again, thanks for being at Insights and uh, being on the podcast. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Find out more at www.ceridian.com forward slash insights.